now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union labels. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm ever yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you and of course with great dispatch and alacrity we love to thank our distributor the salem radio network that's right the alan nathan show is entering its 25th year of national syndication all thanks to you reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week again all thanks to you and by the way I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right please get out of the thought control business Our topics du jour, as you may have heard, well, you know, multiple rulings. Multiple rulings have gone against the First Amendment rights of teachers voicing objections to woke policies in their respective school districts. And then these girls were actually harshly fined for even daring to challenge these policies, thus ensuring higher federal court involvement. So what's next? Also, why for the sake of tolerance for the 1% who are transgender, have we as a country become intolerant of the 99% who object to the many disconnected agendas pushed by the left in their name. Also, former Obama staffer turned whistleblower, one Mike McCormick, worked with then-Vice President Joe Biden from 2011 to 2017. But now he's calling Biden out for leading a kickback scheme and then lying about it. So how soon before Mr. McCormick testifies to Congress? Without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing Lee Borton's uh, Borton's, I should say, internationally acclaimed educator. She's also founder and chief visionary officer of Classical Conversations, which supports classical Christian homeschoolers in all 50 states and in 30 foreign countries. I should point out a little factoid I think I have right, and that is when you look at homeschooled children, uh, a far greater percentage of them do eventually wind up going on to college than can be said of those who are either uh, in public or private schools, if memory serves. Uh, Ms. Bortons, am I correct on that or not? Well, you know, um, the data could have changed since before COVID. You would have been right, and I recommend you go to, to um, NHERI.org, uh, the National Home Education Research Institute.org, and they'll have all the facts you possibly could want to know about how homeschoolers 
are exceeding at being civ- uh, good citizens, good parents, good employees. Uh, we just like people, and we just like to um, help and serve folks. And so, yeah, when you raise kids who can shake someone's hand and look them in the eye, uh, adults want them to succeed. And so they have a whole team of people helping them. But I think I'm not far off the mark, though, am I? I mean, I do believe that a greater percentage of those who are homeschooled do go on to higher education versus those out of public and regular private schools. Where am I mistaken? Yeah, I don't know that you're mistaken at all. I think that that is true. I just don't have the data here in my fingertips, and I try not to say things I don't know for sure. But I do know this. I've never met a homeschooler that has not gotten into college that wanted to, and I'm also very familiar with the myriad of colleges who offer scholarships just for homeschooled students. They want our students because they're so successful in uh, their academics. By the way, I I imagine you were just as um, disturbed as so many over news of what happened to these um, uh, these teachers uh, out of Oregon um, uh, in two separate cases, actually, educators uh, challenging K-12 through woke policies involving gender protocols and academic indoctrination. They were all financially punished by judges for voicing their First Amendment rights to object. I mean, uh, you know, whether it, it happened in Oregon, it also happened in Missouri now. Um, for Oregon, uh, let's go ahead. I'm going to just share with uh, you a couple of excerpts from uh, a marvelous piece written by a guest that we've had on before, Greg Piper of Just the News. This is what he has to share. This is his reporting on just sharing a few excerpts. Oregon's Grants Pass School District. Again, Oregon's Oregon's Grants Pass School District prevailed over a lawsuit by science teacher Katie Medard and former system principal Rachel Sagar alleging they were unconstitutionally disciplined for activism as private citizens against proposals to grant restroom and locker room access based on gender identity and force employees to use preferred pronouns. U.S. Magistrate Judge Mark Clark granted summary judgment with prejudice, meaning the case can't be filed again. End of excerpt. Now, uh, fortunately, Judge Clark cannot stop uh, these women from appealing. But that aside... This really flies in the face of Pickering v. Board of Education 1968, where, wherein the Supreme Court found that teachers don't lose their First Amendment rights to address issues of public importance just because they happen to work for the government. I mean, how does this asinine ruling survive subsequent appellate review? I'm, I'm, I, this is a head-scratcher to me. What was, what was your reaction? Yes. Yeah, so quite frankly, I'm not surprised anymore by anything that happens like this. Since the 1920s, when public education became compulsory and everyone became under the thumb of the government funding, and that's what a public school actually is, is something that's funded by the public, uh, it was designed to do exactly what we're seeing it succeed in now. It just took six generations for this to happen. It never was intended to raise an educated populace. It was it was designed to raise a compliant populace. And so now when people are speaking out and are not compliant, of course they're being attacked by the same system that never wanted them to have a voice in the first place. But it just seems to be such a blatant uh, violation of, of the Constitution. I mean, uh, well, or at least on precedent, that that is is predicated on the constitution for instance in that pickering v board of education um uh case i referenced that happened back in 1968 you had this uh lockport uh high school science teacher marvin pickering the guy wrote a letter uh to the lockport herald 
criticizing the school board's funding of sports over academics, and the guy was fired for it. Now, after an Illinois state trial court and the Illinois Supreme Court found, actually for the school board officials, believe it or not, Pickering took it to the Supreme Court, and they ruled for Pickering by an astounding 8-to-1 vote. Now, that would seem to pretty well put the issue to bed, would it not? And yet this school, well, you would think so. these you two would, school systems would, are, are going against it. I'm sorry, you were saying? Oh, well, you'd think just the First Amendment all by itself would be enough, or in all ten mm. amendments that give us our rights. And so what you're seeing is that people are just unable to read anymore. They're not analytical in their reading. They're not syntopic. They don't know history. And, you know, and these are even the leaders of our country who've managed to go to these so-called good colleges, and now we see how good they really were. And so this whole idea of um, being logical, I mean, it's not even taught in schools anymore. And, of course, as a classicalist, that's one of the main courses we have every year with our children is, is courses in logic and history. So it's, it's so hold on, hold on. You, you, you teach your, you, you, you like the idea that those who are homeschooled, or at least those in your orbit, they're taught something about Socratic dialogue, point, counterpoint, counter to point, counterpoint, wherein if you're going to make an assertion, it has to be tethered to some measurable standard of accountability in dialogue and debate. It sounds to me like you're Elinkus at heart, yes? That is to say, someone who practices the Socratic dialogue. Or am I overstepping? No, I mean, that's why when you first asked me specifically about the college data, I would refuse to give a specific answer because I tie things to facts. And I want to make sure my research is done before I say something, and that's what we taught our children to do. There is so much availability of information, good information, you know, and all this uh, cancel culture, media stuff, wokeism that's going on. There's all kinds of great books available, and I mean great books in both the terms of meaning good ones as well as ones that have influenced civilization and conversations for a thousand plus years. They're available to anybody that wants to look at them and read them, and that's what homeschoolers tend to do is we kind of ignore a lot of the wokeism and the modern subjects and the modern texts, and we read the old classics because they're the ones that survived. And that raises a different kind of person. Please realize in the future, if I tell you something is true, then you now have acquainted yourself with a fact. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, And I'll still research it, Alan. (laughs) Oh, my God, the unmitigated goal, audacity, and lack of fortitude. To doubt my every diphthong (laughs) is to just fly in the... No, it's great having you on board. Look forward to having you back real soon. Lee Bortons, everybody, uh, internationally acclaimed educator. Again, she's founder and chief visionary officer of Classical Conversations, which, of course, supports classical Christian homeschoolers in all 50 states and in 30 foreign countries. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. Spring is here. Time to get out of the gym and take your workout outdoors. Whether you're walking, running, swimming, or biking, it's important to have a proper warm-up routine to prevent injuries. Five-time Ironman triathlon world champion Craig Crowey-Alexander has some advice. Sprains, strains, and injuries can happen to any athlete. Even a minor injury can affect your performance and derail your fitness routine. One of the best ways to try and prevent injuries is to make sure you prepare properly. Alexander recommends always starting with a 10 to 15 minute dynamic warm-up. Activation exercises combined with some dynamic movements like lunges are great for warming up. Focus on one specific movement at a time until you feel ready to go. 
Be sure to listen to your body and use proper support gear when needed to protect yourself and prevent injury. The Curad Performance Series Ironman lineup includes rugged supports, wraps, kinesiology tape, bandages, and analgesics to support you on your fitness journey. For more, go to curad.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon-St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to skill 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis. For those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach, absolutely delighted you could be with us. And uh, we're covering a number of issues. Uh, as you may have heard, multiple rulings go against the First Amendment rights of teachers voicing objections to woke policies in their respective school districts. Uh, and then they subsequently get harshly fined for even daring to challenge those policies. This obviously ensures higher federal court involvement. What's next? 
Also, why for the sake of tolerance for the 1% who are transgender have we become intolerant of the 99% who object to the many uh, disconnected agendas pushed by the left in their name? What's up with that? This seems very, very strange, does it not? I mean, there's a whole lot of bad faith arguments being put forward by the left in the name of serving the transgender community, but some are more egregious than others. I, I mean, as I pointed out before, is anybody off the mark for saying that we can be pro-transgender community, very pro-transgender community, but still recognize the inherently unfair physical advantage that transgender females have over naturally born females in competitive sports? I mean, would it be fair to observe that relabeling this grotesque unfairness as a civil right has really become nothing more than a, a, a sort of a, cam, a camouflage campaign and is fooling nobody, nobody at all, with an IQ over rice pudding, over toenail polish? I mean, really, you've got to have the cerebral dexterity of a fire hydrant to buy into this stuff. We can be pro-transgender community and still recognize that it's wrong and unfair to say that in the name of being tolerant for 1% of the population, we get to be intolerant for 50% of the population. That would be to say females who wish to compete in female sports. Come on now, this is insane. For instance, how many transgender males have you seen competing in male sports transgender males being women who identify as males come on such an insignificant amount nobody ever reads about it doesn't exist almost i'm sure out there somewhere it's happening but in such parsimonious supply as to not even be worth bothering to look at i mean come on but you do have growing instances of men competing in female sports because they want to say they identify as women. Now, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that, you know, the vast majority of these folks who were born male but identify as female, and thus we refer to them as transgender females, are in fact honestly identifying as such. Unless they're transsexual, they're still walking around with their original male genitalia and with it all the advantages that come with such a status. With such, a, with such a construct. And they're always going to have an advantage over females in competitive sports. Because men do have a natural advantage. Why do you think in tennis, professional tennis, for men, it's best three out of five? All right? It's best three out of five sets. For women, it's best two out of three. The irony is they're all paid the same, and strangely enough, that means actually the guys are getting less because they're having to put in more work for the same payday. But that's a whole nother show. <laughs> but look at it. It's best three out of five for guys, best two out of three for women. Martina Navratilova, one of the greatest. My God, we used to think of her as a machine because she was just flawless in her delivery. She seemed to be endless in her energy and might. She came out and said, you can't have them competing against each other unless it's mixed doubles which, of course, is, is still evenly uh, distributing uh, strengths and comparative weaknesses 
or maybe I should put it more delicately and say strengths and comparatively lower strengths. But otherwise, no. Martina Navrasilova came out against it. Serena Williams has come out against this. These are women who are legendary. I mean, Serena Williams, I mean, she's got to be the most powerful female tennis player, I think, of all time. I mean, technically, she doesn't have the most amount of grand slams, but please. And she has come out and said this is not a good idea. So if we understand the undercurrent being that guys have a distinct physiological advantage over women in competitive sports, then by extension it would seem that transgender females have a distinct advantage over naturally born females. We, we can't get around that. Also, another topic I've been wanting to get to is this former Obama staffer turned whistleblower, Mike McCormick. He worked with then-Vice President Joe Biden from 2011 to 2017. The guy is now calling Biden out for leading a kickback scheme and then lying about it. I want this guy in front of Congress. He's already volunteered to testify in, the, uh, in front of the grand jury looking into Hunter Biden's es- escapades uh, out there in Delaware. But, you know, what? I want to hear a little bit um, from what he had to say. He was recently on uh, Fox and Friends uh, first with Todd Pirro and Ashley Strohmeyer. Uh Todd and Ashley are asking him about his intentions. Um, Todd goes ahead and goes through a couple of dates to allow for exposition. I think there's enough time. James, let's share with everybody clip four, if you please. Hunter joins the Burisma board April 18th, 2014. You have that conversation with Jake Sullivan April 21st, 2014, uh, outlining how the U.S. would help Ukraine's gas industry with Joe Biden's help. Hunter's role not made public till May 12th, 2014. And then in December of that year, Congress approves $50 million to support Ukraine's energy sector. Mike, my biggest question is, you said the FBI has been ignoring you. It's, it's no secret right now that people don't have a lot of faith in the FBI. Would you tell them and would they say back to you? I came across this story back in October. I published it in my Substack. My Substack is Midnight in the Laptop of Good and Evil. I didn't hear much about it. In February, I went to the FBI and filed one of their tips on their website. If you do that and you're lying to them, you go to jail. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth, and I'm not going to jail. Joe Biden is a criminal. He was conducting malfeasance in office to enrich his family. Jake Sullivan is a conspirator in that. And there's more uh, o- there's more Obama officials involved in it, I believe. And I think we have time for another little bit of a clip to carry on the discussion. Clip five, James, if you please. So you are willing to go under oath to state that you are certain that this was a kickback scheme that Joe Biden was orchestrating, correct? Correct. There's a grand jury right now in in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. They've been seated for three years with a special prosecutor named David Weiss. If David Weiss can't have me in front of his grand jury explaining what I know as a witness, that's a fraudulent grand jury. It's a fraudulent use of the American judicial system to cover for Barack Obama and Joe Biden's crimes in office. And McCormick argues that, uh, according to Fox News, also writing on this, that the timeline of events suggests that Biden funneled American money overseas to enrich himself and his family and used his own influence to aid his son's rookie energy career. Now, this guy worked at the White House for 15 years, former stenographer, and he made it clear that he wants to present this information under oath before the grand jury in Delaware. These are the folks probing Hunter Biden's business dealings. 
This is being led by U.S. Attorney David Weiss, but we haven't heard much of this, have we? Not much of this is really seeing the light of day. These guys have got to watch their collective backsides because Americans only have so much tolerance. You don't get to violate the law simply because you're doing so under the trappings of officialdom. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools... Suddenly, everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. 
Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. We've been covering a number of things here. Multiple rulings have gone against First Amendment rights of teachers voicing objections to woke policies in their respective school districts. And then they were harshly fined for even having the temerity to challenge these policies. This, of course, ensures a higher federal court involvement because it's, it's a slap in the face uh, against the First Amendment. Not just that these people specifically, two different districts, by the way, one's in uh, uh, Oregon, the other in Missouri. Um, it's just astonishing that, uh, that that they've gotten away with it. I mean, there's a case called Pickering v. Board of Education that already made it abundantly clear that uh, teachers are allowed to express their views, um, even if it's criticism against the districts, the school districts for whom they work. They don't lose the First Amendment rights just because they work for the government. And this is not to be confused with what DeSantis has done with uh, curbing CRT in schools, because in those instances, you're talking about teachers who are indoctrinating kids. All right, for these other teachers, they were just speaking out to the public in general, uh, criticizing. And in Pickering uh, v. Board of Education, 1968, it was already made abundantly clear that uh, teachers don't lose their right to speak out um, in opposition to uh, school policy or government policy just because they happen to work for the government. Also, why for the sake of tolerance for the 1% who are transgender have we become intolerant of the 99% who object to the many disconnected agendas push, pushed by the left in their name? You can be supportive of uh, the transgender community while still recognizing the inherent unfairness of permitting transgender females, those who were born males but identify as females, by permit, by, uh, you can be uh, legitimately upset with permitting transgender females uh, co- to compete uh, against uh, naturally born females uh, in competitive sports. It's okay to acknowledge the inherent unfairness of that while still being supportive of the transgender community. This is insane what we're doing. You can't say in the name of being inclusive for one, you get to be exclusive of others. It it makes no sense, unless, of course, again, language is no longer tethered to the meanings of the words that comprise it. Also, former Obama staffer turned whistleblower Mike McCormick 
worked with then-Vice President Joe Biden from 2011 to 2017, and he's now calling Biden out for leading a kickback scheme and then lying about it thereafter. So how soon before Mr. McCormick testifies to Congress? I mean, he's already willing to testify before the grand jury in Delaware investigating Hunter Biden's activities. I, I can't imagine Mr. McCormick would be very long before he's in front of um, committees in Congress. Anyway, uh, I do want to get off that for just a little bit because uh, some other disturbing uh, developments are happening. The FBI apparently uh, is going after Catholics, attacking Catholics, uh, by trying to infiltrate Catholic churches, uh, believing that they somehow constitute a national threat. They can't, of course, tether those assertions to any measurable standard of accountability and dialogue and debate, but these bozos, they don't care anyway. Uh, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing all front of the show, uh, former Congressman Tim Holskamp, uh, Republican out of the great state of Kansas. He used to serve the good folks out of the 1st District. He's also got a Ph.D. He's an advisor to, uh, uh, to, advisor to uh, Catholic vote, and uh, Ben Benito, he's also a former president of the Heartland Institute. Congressman, good to have you back. How are you today? Hey, I am doing well. Thank you for having me on. No, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I, I caught this story by Michael um, Ippolito in the Daily Signal. And it's the publication for the Heritage Foundation. The headline yep. is Judiciary Committee subpoenas FBI for documents regarding plan to infiltrate Catholic churches. It strikes me that this is nothing more than a camouflaged violation of the First Amendment rights for a whole segment of our society, or am I seeing too much into this, Congressman? Well, it was not just a plan, Alan. It was, as we've learned this week, I mean, it already has been put in effect and uh, potentially at least, at least one admitted agent and uh, attending, uh, I guess, Sunday Mass with Catholics. And it's just shocking, uh, un-American activity like this. Uh, people are trying to worship, and they got to worry about looking over the shoulder and say, well, is that an FBI agent back there? And this just wasn't one rogue agent in, in Richmond. He still has his job as far as we know. We believe it goes all the way up to the headquarters. That's why Catholic Vote, we've got uh, Freedom Information Access uh, records requested. And so far, the FBI says, nope, you can't see what we've been doing out down in Richmond. Uh, but uh, it, it is astonishing how they're trampling over the First Amendment, trying to identify the single largest Christian denomination in America is somehow a, a existential, existential threat to America. And that, that's the current position, I guess, of the FBI. Well, there were already some internal memos leaked uh, yep. making that very assertion, so they're stuck. Now, Jim Jordan, the uh, chair of the House Judiciary Committee, we've had him on our show before. Matter of fact, you go to my website, alanathan.com, you'll see him on my show. You'll see us, uh, you know, uh, mugging for a shot together. Um, <laughs> he wrote, uh, based on the limited information produced by the FBI to the committee, we now know that the FBI relied on at least one undercover agent to produce its analysis and that the FBI produced uh, and, that, and that the FBI proposed that its agent uh, engage in outreach to Catholic parish uh, to develop sources among the clergy and church leadership to inform on Americans practicing their faith. He added that this shocking information reinforces our need for all responsive documents, and the committee is issuing a subpoena to you to compel your full cooperation. So this is not just a request. This is a subpoena. They have to show up. They can't, for instance, refuse to, because then, of course, House, House has grounds to go to court and say, hey, these yep. bozos are not in compliance with the Constitution. You have to now compel them to do so, or am I seeing too much into this? Well, no, you're right on. I, I served with uh, Congressman Jordan and uh, love exactly what he's doing. Plenty of senators are looking into it. 
as well. But uh, you also think of in light of uh, what we've seen uh, basically in the last three years uh, here at Catholic Vote, we've been tracking attacks on Catholic churches, and there have been near over 300 attacks, uh, you know, firebombing, uh, breaking up statues, destroying sanctuaries and in Catholic churches. And so far, as far as we know, the FBI hasn't charged anybody with those. Now, they've uh, charged a, a couple folks for attacking pro-life pregnancy care centers. But uh, meanwhile, you have these attacks going on for three years, and uh, starting with uh, the riots in, in May 2020, and they're going forward. And so you see no action there, but suddenly uh, there's uh, secret efforts at, at the FBI. But what we are hearing from Kyle Serafin and other folks that used to be on the inside is uh, there's an uproar in the FBI as well, because for a long time, there are plenty of agents <laughs> that were, were that are Catholic and were Catholic. And uh, and uh, here we are. We have this hostility against faith amongst Catholics. But for non-Catholic listeners, here's the, here's the concern, Alan. You know, if they can identify a certain group or sect, or in this case, quote-unquote, traditional Catholics, say, hey, they're un-American. We can go after them. And, and it's like, well, who's next? It's another Catholic group. It's every other Christian church. It's all the Muslim uh, groups. It's all the as Jews. Well, which they've been doing. It's exactly. all the Hindus. It's exactly. any demographic they want. You see, this is there's a crime fraud exception to everything, including yep. uh, you know uh, qualified immunity. And you might recall some years ago, uh, Laura's learner with the IRS yep. uh, got the IRS into trouble because they were f- zeroing in on conservative nonprofits versus other groups. And uh, eventually, just to cut a long story mercifully short, uh, the IRS was held accountable and they were sued uh, by those who were aggrieved. And they had to shell out hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, that's a smack on the wrist to the uh, government entity. But in order to really disincentivize this kind of nefarious conduct, individuals under the trappings of officialdom pulling this crap are the ones who have to be held individually oh, yeah. accountable. Um, when you have people who are violating the 14th Amendment rights of Americans, and that's what this is, you know, yeah. uh, you, 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 there has to be some greater form of redress than merely being able to sue the government entity. The individuals, look, I'm not, individuals should not have to be held accountable for, like, their screw-ups, except if you work in the private workplace. I understand that qualified immunity should apply there. But when you have people who are knowingly violating the very laws they require the rest of us to follow – then there should be some kind of apparatus in place to hold those people responsible individually. And they shouldn't just be able to dodge the bullet of accountability by saying, okay, well, we'll hold the Bureau accountable by law and have them sued and maybe fined like the IRS was fined. There's got to be a way to get to the individuals. Is there such an apparatus uh, to your knowledge as a former congressman? Well, we need- well, we, there is. It's called uh, cutting their budget, which hurts them hard, uh, but that's almost but never But that doesn't done. hurt individuals. That doesn't hurt individuals. Exactly. Exactly. Unless you're at the top. But there's two people involved Now, what here. about the Holman rule? What about the Holman rule that allows individual salaries to be cut for individual employees? Well, we could do that. Uh, I was involved in the effort to impeach the IRS commissioner, and we fell short uh, back during the Lois Lerner incident as well. But I, I see two folks. you got this quote-unquote rogue agent, but I don't think he's rogue. But as far as we know, Alan, he has not – He's not been disciplined. He's not lost his, lost his job. Remember, Attorney General is the other guy here. He testified just a couple weeks ago and says, no, we haven't been in churches. No, we haven't been doing that. Then this memo comes out and says, we think you're lying, Attorney General Garland. So that's the question Jim Garland, uh, Jim Jordan's going to ask as well. Are you lying to us now or were you lying to us last month? Good point. 
And for that, an individual can be held legally accountable, yes or no? Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, yeah, they it's can't say under the trappings of official, then yep. they get to lie out of their backside. No, no, they can't do that. Absolutely. Not at all. Congressman, great having you on board, as always, and uh, thanks again. Look forward to having you back. Actually, if you couldn't mind, you won't mind, sir, hang on the line for just a moment, folks. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. Going to be right back. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you wanna support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? 
or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, every year's Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. We're covering a number of topics, as you may have heard by now. Multiple rulings go against the First Amendment rights of teachers voicing objections to woke policies in their respective school districts. And then these ladies were then harshly, uh, subsequently harshly fined for even daring to challenge these policies. Obviously, this is going to be subjected to... uh, higher federal court involvement. Also, why for the sake of tolerance for the 1% who are transgender have we become intolerant of the 99% who object to the many disconnected agendas pushed by the left in their name? Also, former Obama staffer turned whistleblower Mike McCormick worked for then-Vice President Joe Biden from 2011 to 2017, and he's now calling them... Actually, he's calling Biden out for leading a kickback scheme and then lying about it. I think we're going to see Mr. McCormick testifying before Congress. As it is, he wants to testify before the grand jury in Delaware investigating the shenanigans of Hunter Biden. You know what? I want to go ahead and share with you um, a clip that happened um, from Fox News. This was uh, on a show called Fox and Friends First with Todd Pirro and Mike McCormick. Um, and they're, they have a chance to talk with him. And I want you to go ahead and get, let's just have a listen to this exchange because it's really, um, it's really a head scratch when you hear of what it is people are able to get away with. Clip two, James, if you please. In April 2014, I was an Air Force Two with Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan. At the time, no one knew that Hunter Biden was already on the board of Burisma Holdings. Joe Biden is directing Jake Sullivan in the front of the plane what to say to the press. My job as a stenographer on the plane is to record what the vice president or a senior administration official says to the press. So I'm sitting back there with the tape recorder. Jake Sullivan comes back and somebody asks him about fracking. His answer is, well, we're bringing a lot of American assistance over for fracking. Burisma was the direct 
beneficiary of that fracking. In the, in the transcript, you don't know who Jake Sullivan is. It's a senior administration official. I'm the witness that says Jake Sullivan is the guy who said it, and he should be investigated because at the time, Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma, and Joe Biden is bringing American taxpayer money to enrich that company and himself and his family. It's pretty astonishing stuff, is it not? It really is, and, and it's a head-scratcher when you realize what a mind-blowing revelation all this really constitutes. Now, a little later on in the discussion, again, this is uh, Fox and Friends first with Top Hero and Ashley Strohmeyer. Um, we have Todd running through a couple of dates offering a little bit more exposition and a recap of what you heard. And both hosts press Mr. McCormick for a little bit more information just to clarify a few things. And wow, where do you hear this stuff? Clip four, James, if you please. Hunter joins the Burisma board April 18th, 2014. You have that conversation with Jake Sullivan April 21st, 2014, uh, outlining how the U.S. would help Ukraine's gas industry with Joe Biden's help. Hunter's role not made public till May 12th, 2014. And then in December of that year, Congress approves $50 million to support Ukraine's energy sector. Mike, my biggest question is, you said the FBI has been ignoring you. It's, it's no secret right now that people don't have a lot of faith in the FBI. Would you tell them and would they say back to you? I came across this story back in October. I published it in my Substack. My Substack is Midnight in the Laptop of Good and Evil. I didn't hear much about it. In February, I went to the FBI and filed one of their tips on their website. If you do that and you're lying to them, you go to jail. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth, and I'm not going to jail. Joe Biden is a criminal. He was conducting malfeasance in office to enrich his family. Jake Sullivan is a conspirator in that. And there's more uh, o- there's more Obama officials involved in it, I believe. Guys worked, he worked for the White House for 15 years under multiple administrations. I mean, the FBI should have no compunction whatsoever in bringing this guy in for testimony. I tell you what, after all these revelations, you know he's going to wind up in the House. He's going to wind up in front of a committee in the House. I mean, th- these these guys would be arrested for congressional behavior malfeasance (laughs) or or congressional malpractice if you will if they don't hold this guy in and i'm sure he would he would he would testify willingly he already wants to go in front of the grand jury but he added a bit more um flavor to this clip five james if you please so you are willing to go under oath to state that you are certain that this was a kickback scheme that joe biden was orchestrating correct Correct. There's a grand jury right now in in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. They've been seated for three years with a special prosecutor named David Weiss. If David Weiss can't have me in front of his grand jury explaining what I know as a witness, that's a fraudulent grand jury. It's a fraudulent use of the American judicial system to cover for Barack Obama and Joe Biden's crimes in office. This guy's got nothing to gain by doing any of this. 15 years, 15 years with multiple administrations. It seems that he's just really ticked off at nefarious conduct. I'm a little curious why he didn't come out even sooner, although we understand he did. We just haven't heard about it. So uh, sooner is a relative term. But again, this is former Obama staffer turned whistleblower Mike McCormick. And once again, he worked with Joe Biden 
when he was vice president from 2011 to 2017. And he's calling out the vice, the then vice president, current president, for having led a kickback scheme. I mean, just soon after his son secures a position on Burisma, that's when Joe Biden starts funneling uh, or working and successfully working to have funds go to this energy company or the overall energy industry, which would eventually wind up with this company, Burisma, fracking and other areas and other endeavors of expertise, feeding funds to an industry that's primarily going to benefit the very company that hired his son to serve on their board of directors. A son, by the way, who had zero experience in that field when he got hired. Clip six, James, if you please. Grand jury is an investigative tool. And if I went in there, I would tell them to have Barack Obama called in as a witness because he's part of the conspiracy. He's an ex-president. He has to answer who was in charge of this, putting Joe Biden into this role. Did Barack Obama know about it? Because there's there's evidence I've seen and put in my Substack on April 16th. So two days before Hunter joins... Joe Biden is with Hunter in the West Wing. They have a meeting. And then later that day, in the evening, Joe Biden spends a day in the limousine, in the back of Barack Obama's limousine in western Pennsylvania. Too much. Too much. And as usual, never enough time to get into it. But, oh, my God. These folks have got to be held accountable. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.